Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 144 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, sitting in the host chair, per usual, with my backward-hatted friend James Cook, and my friend who is taller than me some days, other days I feel like I'm taller, Andrew Rosenthal. Hey. How's it going? I'm short. <laughs> That's one thing I don't think anybody's ever called me or you as short. I just didn't want to knock the bill of my hat on the microphone and have it. I'm okay with that, but then you hit it with your hand instead. Great job. Great job. I wanted to talk about this, and I thought it was really cool, this whole time that we've been locked inside, and we've done all these stories on the Pixelot cameras and the NFHS network and MHSA TV expanding and everything like that. You know, I was out at football games the last couple of weeks. I finally got my chance to be locked in the office for... You know, a Friday football night. You sound excited about that. I, hey, listen, it's not that I wanted to be, <laughs> but as soon as I realized I had to be locked in the office and I couldn't watch football out in the field, I'm like, wait a second. We've been talking about this this whole time. I can watch a bunch of high school games from this computer right here. So I ended up expensing an NFHS network pass for the next year. And man, I'm already telling you it was worth it. I got to watch like four high school football games at once while we were sitting there. I was like taking like live notes on some of the games. We are not sponsored or endorsed by the NFHS. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I mean, even the MHSA TV. And hey, shout out to Boyne City and the Rambler Sports Network. We've talked to them too. Once again, they put on a great broadcast for the football games. Got to see Charlevoix, Boyne City, which are, once again, that, that's good for us. That's an hour and a half drive normally that we would have to drive out to see that entire rivalry game. I got to watch it in its entirety and get to hear a couple cool tidbits from them. But regardless, I wanted to bring this up because this is the one funny and the one side effect I never thought about. So you guys know the Pixelot cameras, how like they, they're not controlled by anybody or anything like that. They're just automated, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, really, really funny to see these Pixelot cameras at either halftime or when there's way too many people on the field. Like when there's two teams going out for kickoff or something like that, all these cameras can't decide where the action is. So they jump all <laughs> over the place. And it was hilarious. I was sitting there at halftime, and, you know, all the games basically sync up. You know, like everything starts at 7 mm-hmm. within 10, 15 minutes. So it's about going to be halftime at almost every high school football game at the same time. Yeah. I have four screens up with these Pixelot cameras, right? And for whatever reason, there's no one on the field, but all of a sudden, like, the one, the one kid who's, like, playing football during halftime who, like, because there's no bands or anything. The one kid, like, ran out on the field, like, throwing the football around. You just see this camera bouncing back and forth between these two kids playing football. Or, like, the one there, – there's two coaches on either side of the field. And I'm telling you, the one for Central and Cadillac where you were, the camera would not stop moving back and forth because there was just people walking on either side of the field just back and forth across the field. It just went boom, 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 boom. I just thought it was hilarious that the cameras were dancing when there was no one doing anything. But it did a, they, they do a really good job while the game is going on and following the action. I'll say that. Yeah, there's something about a local high school football announcer and the knowledge they have of that certain school and just the, the history of like, oh, this guy played for this school in the 1970s and he just broke his record. I yeah. remember him. He was really good at making pancakes. The, the RSN was so much fun. The RSN was so much fun. I mean, they had like, the whole homecoming thing and everything. I was like, wow, like this is a lot better than me sitting in there. So I was just going to recommend to everybody, if you can't make it to the games or your school is not allowing you to make it to the games, I think it was only like $7 for a month, which if you're really just worried about football, there's only like three or four games left for everybody. For the regular season. Probably yeah. worth the 7 bucks, even if it's just an away game, if you can find if they're going to be on there. But otherwise... I was in heaven while I had to sit inside, even though you boys got the, the good good graces to go see some football games. Who would you have the audio on? In the, in the cold. Mostly so. RSN because they actually had commentators. Okay. The rest of it was the, – the Pixelot cameras, you can hear the background, you can hear the PA, you can hear the football game, you can hear the, fight, the, the crowd and everything, but there's no, there's no one sitting there telling you the game. On RSN, I don't know if everybody's ever watched it, but they have Randy Calcaterra. And I can't remember who the other guy is right now, but both of them – I mean, they have sideline reporters for the, for the students. Yeah, 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 and they have uh, sideline reporters and all that type of stuff. It's really cool what they do out there at Boyne City, and I feel like they obviously are kind of light years ahead of where everybody else has got with this Pixelot camera. I mean, they have legitimate live-action slow-mo replays, which is actually really funny because, like, there was a couple times that the referees called, like, a no-fumble or a fumble, and, like, they're sitting there like, yeah, we got replay, and we know what it is, but it's not like we can do anything about it, which is just, like, a really weird, you know, it's like, oh, well, we actually get to watch a replay and know that it was wrong, but there's absolutely no place in the game for that in high school yeah it's weird because like sometimes you'd be on the sidelines taking photos for something and you clearly know if the ball is over the end zone line or not but you can't just like show your camera to the yeah that was almost like that was almost like like your face mask penalty even though the fans ask you like hey 
can you show the refs like that was a bad call? And you're like, even if when they, even, they can't if, change, like, even if they even if they thought it was a bad call after the fact, they ain't changing it. That's just not how it really works. Yeah, in high school sports, that's what I said. The one that what wasn't that like on Burnham? Yeah, that was yeah. Burnham had just basically grabbed the, From the running the back pads. on the shoulder by the shoulder pads, by the outside of the shoulder pads, and just threw him to the ground, and they, the referees thought it was a face mask because... I thought it was, too, from the press box. I mean, it kind of looked like it. Yeah, from the other side of the field, I mean, 100 the, yards the, away. The motion it like of it, it. kind of you know, looked like it and everything, and, uh, but you know, it wasn't, and, you know, and I had a picture that showed it wasn't, but... You set it up to me. Referees I, aren't going to... I remember I showed a couple people in the press box. if they saw that, the referees wouldn't change it. No, they ain't going to do nothing because there's no provisions for that in the game. But either way, yeah. I was just saying that's a really cool thing. Props to them and props to all those schools who have gotten those pixel-like cameras put in because... I think it's really, I think it's really sweet. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually got to watch it in action after being on the field and everything. I know, and you didn't freeze. Yeah, right. Anyways, you know, I just, I, I wanted to kind of recommend that to all of our listeners. Recommend it to you guys because I don't know which one of you guys are gonna get stuck in the office this week, but I know the rotation ain't me. So now you get to go watch some more football games. Anyways, that uh, was way too long of an intro. So let's go ahead and remind you that our episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. Let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse. Actually talk about some stuff that's going on. Obviously, we bring up football, and it's crazy to think this, fellas. But with a shortened or abbreviated season, we're actually halfway through the regular season in football. I know. We're on our rotation, so each of us only has to work one more. Friday, yeah, during the regular season. But still, it feels weird that we've only had three games, kind of just barely gotten a chance to look at these teams, and we're halfway through the season. You know, we mm-hmm. we actually participated in the first, you know, AP prep poll, a uh, Michigan prep poll for football this week, and even that was kind of weird to me because it was like, man, normally we're we're ranking these teams before they get into conference competition. We get to kind of like rank them against teams from out of area, or get to rank them against teams that they normally wouldn't play or see. And I'm like, I had some questions to see. I was like, how good are these teams in the area? Because we haven't seen them play really anybody from outside of the area. But we do have some good teams in our area that, it, you know, it reminded me when we were doing the, the rankings and the voting, we got to talk about these guys. We have a handful of 3-0 and teams in the area who, when I list them off, I'm going to ask you guys one by one if we think that these guys have what it takes to finish the season. All of these teams that I'm about to list, they're in different conferences, or at least different divisions of different co- of the same conference, which would just be the Northern Michigan Football League, and they all have a chance to run the table and go 6-0 and on their seasons. I want to see what you guys think and see if we think they could do that. So we have, so we have five teams in the area that are 3-0. and We have TC Central, Charlevoix, Kingsley, Johannesburg-Lewiston, and Manistee. Just 11-player football. Eight-player, we still have a couple more, but we're talking about 11-player football. Five teams that are 3-0. Let's go one by one, gentlemen, and let's see if we think that they're going to be able to sweep out the rest of the season, win their division, and head into the playoffs undefeated. Traverse City Central, James, how good do you think they are? Are they going to 6-0 this and make a deep run into the playoffs? I think they'll I, – I pretty much guarantee that they're going to be 5-0. The next, you know, the next two weeks they're going to be heavy, heavy favorites. Then they have that game with Dakota. You know, we'll see how, you know, how Dakota comes along throughout the season. But, I mean, that's a, a team that is – usually always pretty good you know they're two and one this season that and that game's on the road too yeah so i think it's a pretty decent chance but it's not a guarantee i'll put it this way a couple of the other teams that are three and oh are pretty much a shoe in to finish six and oh yeah and that's one thing i'll say about traverse city central is i know how good they are and i know their potential but i've also seen they have a lot of turnover issues in all three games that i've seen from them they turn the ball over in inordinate times and if they want to go six and oh against dakota and win against that big division one school, they ain't gonna they ain't gonna be they ain't gonna be able to have all those turnovers. So I'll say, like you said, I don't think they're shooting for six and zero, but uh, if they are able to show up the shore up those turnover issues, six and zero into the playoffs, and I would say they make it past the district round this year. A team that you've seen a few times now, yeah, Kingsley's three and zero. We know they went twelve and one last year, only falling to La- it was Lansing Catholic, right? Yeah, they lost to Lansing Catholic. Who Lansing Catholic is already two and one this year. I'm not saying that they're anything less than what they were, but you know. I don't. I don't know that Lansing Catholic is going to be the ones meeting them back in that semifinal. Three and O Kingsley, you've seen a lot from them. How far do you think this team can go? Well, they're well coached. There's no question about that. I think Owen Graves is as good as he ever is going to be with how fast that guy can run. One of the smartest plays I've seen from Evan Douglas in the third quarter with the after a blocked a, or the muffed fake field goal 
And this is after their defense just stopped them like three times. So I think this team literally is doing it in all phases of the the game. I totally think they can win out. Yeah, I I put Kingsley as my third-ranked team in Division 5 in my rankings this week. I think maybe maybe even put them second. I, I, I mean, they, they're going to be at the top of those rankings the rest of the year. I think they went out. They obviously already they already beat Traverse City St. Francis, which was probably their biggest, you know, hurdle in conference or in, in division in conference. So, you know, I think it's the, it's their division not only to lose, but even just to lose a game, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, they'll, be, they'll be favored against Grayling and Benzie Central. I mean, neither, neither of those teams are teams that they'll just walk in and win by. 50 points or anything, but they're going to have to earn those wins. The, the challenge they may get would be Sault Ste. Marie in that they're, they're a big team. They've got some big boys up front. So that may, be, that may give them a challenge. I don't know, seeing how Kingsley doesn't have a lot of huge kids on the, on the line. they got experienced kids and kids that know that offense and everything, but not, not a lot of huge kids. So Sault Ste. Marie could be the one team that could do that, but I still see Kingsley rolling and going 6-0. and This is an interesting team, which is uh, Charlevoix. They made the playoffs again last year. They're looking to, like, build on this program right now. Going 3-0, and they just beat a good Boyne City team in a rivalry game on the road in a conference matchup that is basically setting them up to take their division in the conference. Yeah, so they played Glen Lake the last week of the season. To get that conference, man, Charlevoix, it's going to be tough. That's where we're going to be in week six. Yeah, I, yeah it's going to be tough. Because they, they won't let us go to Macomb, Dakota. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> I... I have a lot of faith in this Charlevoix team. Luke Stuck, Jake Snyder, after watching them play Boyne City on the RSN, like I was telling you, they responded and they got punched and they responded, they got punched, they, they responded. I think Coach Don Jess has a bit of like this like air of confidence building with the Raiders. And I kind of see, I, I don't know if winning out that Glen Lake game at the end of the year is going to be tough, but I'm really excited to see what they can do. Yeah, I think they'll be 5-0 and going into that game against Glen Lake. So Glen Lake will probably be 4-1 going into that game. Yeah, so and that, I mean that'll be a nice game end the season. You know, there's a chance. You know, Kalkaska did cancel their football game last week due to low numbers. That is who Charlevoix has to play. I think this week is Kalkaska. Mm-hmm. Got you know, we got to be careful there. See exactly how that's going to work out. But I still see them. You know, having a very good shot at taking the leaders division title in the NMFL. All right, you got a couple more to talk about. We're, if you want, let's stay in the NMFL just here real quick. Johannesburg Lewiston. We're going to talk a bit more about at least one of these guys later in the Hall of Fame. Mm. But they're three and zero, and they are—they're my lock to go six and zero. Yeah, like whoo we. You think they, they they sweep out, they win their division. Yep. And they're the ones who have Harbor Springs in the last game of the season, right? Yep. And I, I'm pretty sure Harbor Springs is three and zero right now. Harbor Springs, if not is, two and one. Harbor Springs is pretty solid. Yeah, they're they're two, they're two and one. they're two and one. They lost to Manistee, which is a much okay. a much which, bigger school. And what we're what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Joburg, Sheldon Huff is just an absolute monster for them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin his stat line because we're gonna talk about him later. He's going up for the Hall of Fame. That's just a little tease into the Hall of Fame later. You gotta. You gotta stick around for the Hall of Fame to hear this kid's crazy stat line for later. But you, you say they're a lock for six and zero. Yeah, they have St. Ignace, East Jordan, Harbor Springs. St. Ignace is yeah, just not good this year. No, you know Joe Smokovich is probably pretty happy with what his guys have been doing. St. Ignace is zero and three, and they've been outscored 119 to 18. Ouchie. All right, we got one more team. You mentioned it. Harbor Springs lost to Manistee. Harbor Springs, a Division Seven team, going up to play a Division Five team in Manistee. They lost forty-seven to twenty, but Manistee is three and zero now too. You, you had them as a prep lead a couple weeks ago. We talked about them. Yeah, we, we we talked about Landon Powers leading them to a win just last week. I don't think we really kind of started to snowball or snowball this conversation with the Chippewas from here. But what what do you see out of these guys um, in the next few weeks? I mean that three and zero start is really nice. I mean they started off with a, a fifty three to nothing shellacking of Memphis. Then they beat Muskegon Orchard View, which you know which is a nice win. They beat Harbor Springs, which is a solid team. They're two and one, um, and and if if they make the, you know, well everybody makes the playoffs. But when they go into the playoffs, they're going to be tested. These last three games are not easy for them. the The last three games that they play, the teams have a combined eight and one record. Catholic Central is three and zero. Ludington's two and one, and McBain is three and zero and probably going to be ranked in the top 10. So they're going to have a difficult road, but, I mean, the way they've been playing these first three games, if they keep going like that, they're going to be able to do it. And they've been able to just run the ball at will. Yeah, I think, what was it? We said they threw like, the ball four times in that game. So, yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot. That was, it's a lot. They, 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 they've they, been they, able to run the ball, tell people, telegraph that the run is coming, and still be able to do it. 
You like to be able to do that if you're if you're if you're a head football coach. Mm-hmm. Now we got two other teams to talk about in the eight player realm who are three and zero. I'm probably missing somebody else, but these are the two that I found uh, rather quickly. Sutton's Bay three and zero, who has just been. I mean, after going to the state title game last year, they have shellacked everybody they've played. I think they've only allowed like eight points this season, maybe fourteen. The Norsemen and Gaylord St. Mary, the same two teams last year that we know we're we're looking at a collision course on a state title run are kind of our two lead horses here again. So I want to do like a more, or like I, I, I kind of want to do an either or with you gentlemen. I know it doesn't have to be either or, but which one of the two do we say make, making a deeper run in the playoffs? Because we know that they're better than the majority of A-player teams, not just in the area, but in the state. I think both of these teams are, for eight-player, also pretty virtual locks to go 6-0. and they're, and they're both in their they're, they're in separate divisions in the playoffs, so they won't play each other this year, unlike last year. They played each other twice last year. Yeah, once in the playoffs, once in the regular yeah. season. But they're in different divisions of the eight-player playoffs this year, so they won't play each other there, and they are not playing each other in the regular season either. And they're both pretty much the biggest school in their division for the playoffs, or just about. So I, I've, I see both of them having a pretty legit chance of going at least to the semifinals, if not the finals. I mean, St. Mary has just been steamrolling teams. Suns Bay is Suns, the same way. Suns Bay has two. I'm pretty they've sure they've only given up eight points. It's eight. That's why I said. Eight. I said eight. I said or fourteen. One thirty-four to eight. Yeah, and that's. I mean, Dave. From what I can, what I can recall, I think it was like fifty. Both these teams are averaging about fifty-five points a game. Yeah. Really, right dead Saint, on almost fifty-five. St. Mary scored one hundred and sixty-five points in three weeks. Yeah, and so you said Suns Bay, Bay one thirty-four. Yeah. Oh. St. Mary's allowed 44, so a lot more than Sutton's Bay. But I think a lot of that's also been coming in the second half when they've started playing a lot more what, uh, whatever it may be. and stuff. And, uh, but Andrew, who do you think makes a deeper playoff run? Sutton's Bay. Wild pick. All righty. I know this is going to extend this even further, but we have halfway point of the football season, gentlemen. You know I like to do hypothetical stuff on here. So I want to just bring the conversation up because we are going to have this conversation several times over the next – Several weeks, but I want us to do halfway point MVPs. Who is our offensive, defensive, and overall MVP for the halfway point of the season? Who do we think are the front runners for at least maybe our conversation of players of the year? Doesn't matter what what, what division you're in. Doesn't I mean, matter what size your school I mean, if is. If you're looking at overall, the two players that really stand out to me are Josh Burnham and Christian Boyvin. I mean, they've just dominated games. Boyvin just had his way with Petoskey on Saturday and was pretty much doing about whatever he wanted. Ran for 183 yards, had 15 tackles on defense. I posted a photo gallery. I think it was of like 40 photos, and I halfway apologized on Twitter because I'm like, just going to warn you, half of these are Christian Boyvin because <laughs> that's just the way the game was. He was doing everything, and we all know about Josh Burnham. I mean, that's – Yeah, what do we do? What do we put him in, offensive or defensive? <laughs> Either one of them can be out. Yeah. Either way, I mean, they, 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 can you imagine if you put those two on the same team? Ooh, Boivin and yeah, and Burnham, who, B and B. Yeah, I'm sure it would never happen, but it'd just be nuts. Have have both of those guys at linebacker, and then both of them at running back. Well, well Burnham at quarterback, Boivin at running back. That'd be exciting, but it also would take away all the parity. I I didn't say for which team they would be. At. Yeah. No, I. But, Okay, so I don't even want to look at the big schools because there's so many of these smaller school guys who are just tearing up there are the scene lot. right now. Yeah. Like, there's we mentioned so Huff. many. Yeah, we that, mentioned that's Sheldon one Huff. guy. I, th- I think I might just bring up his stat line right now to show why he has to be in the conversation for either one or the other. Or we can just save it. We could. But this is a good, but. Point, for, this is a good point for argument here. Mm-hmm. This is last game. Sheldon Huff had 28 total tackles. I believe it was 22 solo, 6 assists, and a, there was a couple for loss, but 28 Total tackles, which tied a school record. I mean, that's got to tie a lot of records anywhere. But he also ran for three touchdowns on 13 carries and 126 rushing yards. Offense, defense, this kid gets it done for an undefeated Cardinals team. He's got to be in the conversation for us definitely this year, 100%. Yeah, I would, I would totally say so. Yeah, he has uh, for the season, or in that game, he had 15 solo tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, and 11 assists. He has 51 tackles in three games. Average is 17 stops. That's a lot. That's a lot. That means you're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, offensively, we know, hey, I, I mean, even though Burnham's like, you know, that guy, you have to talk about Austin Bills on Traverse City Central. Oh, yeah. He's been a For great offensive player. player of the he's year? He's been a great player for that. Yeah, you have to talk about Austin Bills for offensive player of the year. 
he, he's literally got to be. He's got to have more. He's got to. He probably has more touchdowns than Burnham on the ground. Yeah, I mean he's and he's just a chain mover too. He, I mean he has he can make, he can generate explosive plays for you too, but he also just is one of those guys who's every time he touches the ball is going to get you five yards and do that a couple times and you got yourself a first down and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. He, he usually isn't even touched by the time he gets the five yards. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he's putting somebody out of his shoes yeah. before anything happens. But he's he's just a first down machine. Oh yeah, no, and I mean there's a couple other guys you brought him up a few times. Cole Spencer. Yeah. I mean, just from a wide receiver standpoint, has done amazing things. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't overlook his quarterback, obviously. Gabe Parrish, he threw for five touchdowns this past weekend. Uh, but Cole Spencer's just been tearing people uh, out of the water mm. on the outside. So you got to talk about him on the offensive side as well. Finn Hogan, maybe – I mean, he's got to be the best wide receiver in the area. I mean, Spencer's put up some great numbers. But Hogan, with his combination of – Speed and size. Yeah, two catches for two touchdowns this week. Yeah, ninety and, a ninety-seven yarder. Yeah, and one of them was ninety-seven. We're talking about defensive too. We have to talk about Carson Bordeaux. What does he have? Like seven interceptions in three six. games. Six. Yeah, every time he just, I'm. He just gets two picks every game. Yeah, no big deal. He yeah. had what? An eighty-five yard return for a touchdown. I think he already has two defensive touchdowns on the year. Yeah, he had one this week too. Yeah, so he's had two already. Maybe even maybe even three defensive touchdowns on the year. That is that's big moves right there. Yeah, so. when they were after the game, when the you know the coaches were talking to the team, Eric Sugars came up to Carson Bordeaux and uh, asked to see his hands and and was asking if there was magnets in there. Stick them, <laughs> stick them, ma. Nah. <laughs> All righty. Well, we're gonna move away from football. We've been talking about that for a long time. I wanted to update us. We're, we're once again we're a lot deeper into the fall season than I think anybody realizes. We're only like we're less than twelve days from districts and regionals in golf, tennis cross country and swimming and diving that they just, you know, made all those changes to the playoffs, which if you read the story in the record, we're not going to kind of run through those. It wasn't anything too crazy other than the fact that they added another round to cross country. So there's going to be a pre-regional to just split up the sizes of the the meets more. And then, and then they kind of reverted golf finals back to the way they were, except it's still only one round instead of two rounds of golf. Yeah, and all at the same place, essentially, all at four. Yeah, there's they're just either one two, course or two the other. one day and two the next day, yep, one yep. round each. But what I wanted to do while we're here, and we have some time here on the podcast, is we have been getting our rankings in from across the state, and we have a lot of local teams who are ranked across these three sports. They're going to be some of those teams that are highest ranked in their regions. All these sports, we forget, soccer is seeded now. These rankings and things matter nowadays. I mean, they did before, but when it, when it comes to playoff seeding, it wasn't always like this. It used to just be random. These top teams, we want to bring to you and sh- tell you exactly who they are on the podcast because they're going to be the ones to watch out for come playoff time. So we'll, we'll go ahead and toss it over to Andrew first. I know we had tennis starts about 10 days from today. I believe it is. It's not even 10. It might be. Is, is it tennis eight. the first state finals? Uh, yeah, yeah. I believe it's next Tuesday is when districts start for tennis. So without any further ado, we do have, I believe, three tennis teams that are ranked uh, in the state right now. Who are they, Andrew? Central is... Number 13 in Division 2. St. Francis is number 2 in Division 4. It's like second in the state to Kalamazoo Hackett. And then Glen Lake is right up in that list, too, for uh, number 14. Yeah, so that Leland All Tennis coming in with a ranking. August Schaub and those guys over there have put in a lot of work. I mean, them just being a kind of new tennis program. and They've been pretty solid, and, yeah. and, they, and they haven't been shying away from... Playing like TC Central and TC oh, no, West. They, they was in, they hold, held them for the Clay Court Classic and all that good yeah. stuff. So, hey, I'm just going to toss this one in here real quick because we only have one local team that is ranked anywhere in golf, and that is in Division One, Traverse City West, ranked at number 10. So, James, I know you got the volleyball rankings in your hand. We haven't been able to up these as, update these as much as we wanted to. So, who do we have in the rankings as of late? For volleyball, we've got in Division One, Traverse City West checking in at number 9. Um, I mean, they've been impressive. We've talked about them multiple times on previous Yep, sticking it out. They've ep- been in the episodes, top ten for so, a couple weeks now. Yeah, so if you want to go back and listen to what we said about them, uh, also Cadillac is number five in Division Two. Division Three, we've got two teams, uh, Charlevoix ranked number six, Traverse City St. Francis number ten, and two teams in Division Four as well. Leland, number two, uh, well-documented that they're always a Final Four contender. And then the honorable mention team is Traverse City Christian. And Christian and St. Francis play each other on Thursday. Okay. At TC Christian. So that should be a, a, a very good match. A nice ranked matchup. Keep an eye out on the Record Eagle for coverage of that game. And then you know what? I'm going to dive in. We got one more. This is this is a bit longer list. So we got we got 15 teams, I believe is what it is, in the cross-country rankings. I got, I'm not going to count them up, but I'm going to tell you exactly who they are. So if we're going through Division 1, Traverse City Central is ranked number 3 in the boys' 
at number one in the girls. So Julia Flynn is riding that charge for the Trojans. I mean, you can't you know look past the McLean girls and everybody else who's there with her at Traverse City Central who is pushing that team to where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen them pretty much destroy everybody in the area. It doesn't surprise me that they're at the top of this list for the girls. In number in, in Division Two, the Petoskey boys are sitting at number 14, and the Petoskey girls are down at number two. So they, you know, we, we talked about them when we talked about the P. Moss invite. The Petoskey girls with Emma Squires and the two Cambries, they're, they're up there at the top. They're right on Traverse City Central's heels here in the area, and we know that they're going to be a, a contender. Cadillac is at number six there in Division Two for the girls, uh, but there's no other boys' teams that we have listed in Division Two. In Division Three, Traverse City, St. Francis, those boys are still at number two like they were last week. Benzie Central fell a spot down to number 10. They were number nine last week, but still, we know how that program is, and they're going to be way up towards the top. Hunter Jones, regardless, kind of like the Auntie D thing, you know he's going to be right there in that top one or two at the state finals, so it's going to be exciting to watch that. If you go into Division Three, girls, our top-ranked team is Benzie Central at number four. Traverse City, St. Francis is at number seven. And then, so we went to go into Division Four. We have Petoskey St. Michael, who I know we don't give too much coverage to or too much love to, but they've been ranked in each one of the three rankings I've seen for this so far. They were in Saturday's prep roundup. I put them in there. Because they were in the uh, well, the Sunday one, I mean, because they were in that huge uh, Blue Jay Invitational down in Shepherd this weekend, and, uh, and they did pretty well too, there too. Yeah, I mean, we got Buckley in Division 4 as well for the boys, ranked at number 12. For the girls, Glen Lake, the girls are ranked at number 10. Uh, so they moved up the list just a little bit there for the girls. And that would round it out for how many we got ranked in the cross-country rankings. And I'm surprised that the, the High School Soccer Coaches Association hasn't done its rankings at all this season. Yeah. But uh, Max Preps has, has updated rankings. Um, you know, I would take them a little bit with a grain of salt because I don't know that necessarily every team is on Max Preps. But um, Traverse City West is ranked number one in the state regardless of division. In, on the max prep and number ranked in the top all. 10 nationally. Elk Rapids is also ranked in the top 100 nationally and is number 13 in the state. And there's quite a few other teams that are like in the top 100 in the state that we have in the area. Boyne City, Traverse City Central, Petoskey, Buckley, Grayling, Leland, and T.C. Christian. Okay. Well, the the, they, the they weird have, thing about... Although they have T.C. Mm-hmm. Christian ranked number 100, 102, and 103 because they have them listed as Christian, St. Francis. Francis, and Grand Traverse Academy. <laughs> and they put them all back to back. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was kind of weird, though, um, when I looked at the national rankings. A lot of these teams are from the Midwest. Noblesville, Indiana is number one. St. Ignatius, Cleveland is number two. O'Fallon and St. Dominic is number three. None of us know where any of these schools are, but they're all in Indiana, Ohio, Missouri, Indiana, Indiana. Why do you think that is, guys? I'm wondering if maybe the schools in other regions of the state don't or country just don't, don't use, use max preps. Yeah, they, they, have, have. <laughs> they have a they have a different uh, thing maybe that they use. Yeah, if they have, um, I don't know if they have soccer scores. Yeah, how about that though? They're like the, one of the top teams in the Midwest. The first um, Associated Press football rankings just came out like this minute. Well, might as well so, might as well read through them an update. We're only hey, forty minutes into this first segment. <laughs> Uh, I'll just do a highlight of local teams. Uh, in Division Two, Traverse City Central is number nine in the state, and then we've got Division Four. Cadillac got a vote in the honorable mention list. Uh, they're two and one. Uh, Division Five, Kingsley is number two in the state, um, behind Frankenmuth. Frankenmuth, who got two of the three number one votes, and then. Um, Division six, we have Manistee is ranked number nine. Glen Lake is an honorable mention. Boyne City is an honorable mention. And then in uh, Division seven, we've got Charlevoix is number nine in the state. Uh, McBain, who's just out of our coverage area, is number eight. And then in Division eight, Johannesburg Lewiston, number seven in the state. And in eight player, Sutton's Bay is ranked number five and has and got a number one vote. And Gaylord St. Mary is ranked number eight. All right. So that's plenty. We got plenty of teams ranked. That's a lot. That's going to do it for our updated rankings and midseason, I guess, update for football. Let's go ahead. I didn't even tell you who our guest is this week. So let's just, like, really pipe that up now. We have Traverse City West's Pat O'Connor joining us here in the studio on this lovely Monday after a couple back-to-back wins with the Titans after losing in week one. Had a chance to speak with him and see how the Titans are feeling moving forward. So let's go ahead and give a listen to that now.
The Get Around Podcast is, is excited to welcome in Traverse City West senior football player Patrick O'Connor. Thank you so much for joining us here uh, after week three of football. Yeah, no problem. Great to be here. We have a lot to talk about with the Titan uh, here today, but we have got back into the swing of doing our Freaky Fast Five to start off these interviews. A little bit of rapid-fire questions to get to know Patrick here on the Get Around. James, I know you've been searching and trying to find the right one, so let's go ahead and toss it over to you. Okay, what is the uh, funniest thing that has happened while playing in a football game? This was probably my uh, junior year, but there was a kid that just got his jersey ripped right in half. I think that was pretty funny, and they had to change his jersey mid-game. Just like ripped like off of his shoulder pads, like yeah, like off? ripped down his jersey. Oh wow, was that was yeah. he like was he like dragging somebody or was it this just like was it a bad yeah, he was being, call? He was dragging somebody. Yeah, that's always funny. That's a train that ain't gonna stop rolling. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite kind of cookie? My favorite kind of cookie would be probably chocolate chip original. You've been given an elephant. You can't really give it away or sell it. What would you do with the elephant and why? I would use it to go to school every morning and then park it in the parking lot. I would drive it to school. So kind of like Dumbo where you're just riding an elephant all the time? Yes. That's, yes. All right. All right. That's an interesting answer. <laughs> right. You could make it a team mascot. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you, know, exactly. you know what the hills on along right next to Traverse City West, uh, you might have to take an elephant to school sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You could ride it in yeah. uh, through, the, uh, through the tunnel. Before games, yeah. <laughs> I just I just couldn't imagine the good old. I, I was about to try and make a elephant noise. I, I used to be able to, but I just couldn't. Like that's what happens instead of like the cannon of Tampa Bay or something after a touchdown. Just... <laughs> it would be good. It would be good. Alrighty, okay, we got, well, we got, that, we that goes right more. into my next question, which is, uh, what is your gun noise? Like when you make a my when gun you, noise. When you make a gun noise. Is you got it like finger guns. Pew pew or... Yeah, well, yeah. You, you put up your finger guns. What noise comes with them? There you Best go. gun noise. There you go. Yeah. See, you know, there's a cartoon people who would be like bang bang. Well, there's pew pew. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm a pew pewer. <laughs> pew pew. Of course you are. It's more of a laser type of deal. All right, we got one more question in the Freaky Fast Five. What is it, James or Andrew? All right. All right. What's the coolest mascot other than your school? Team in uh, Illinois called. I think it's the Freeport Pretzels. Uh huh. I think it's pretty funny. Uh huh. Driven through Freeport plenty of times on. Nice. The pretzels. I-39. All right. Thirty nine. There's That's... a team. There's a team in Arizona, I think it is, whose um, whose mascot is the criminals. Oh, okay. Well, that that was the Freaky Fast Five, sponsored by our sponsors at Jimmy John's. Let's go ahead and dive into our actual interview with our man Patrick here. We have a lot to talk about. I know you guys had another big win uh, here this past weekend. You guys have been kind of on a roll. That offense has started to click a little bit more. How have you guys started to feel once you've been able to kind of settle into this, you know, new look Titans offense? Uh, we for sure feel more confident in, um, in offense, defense, special teams. We're all kind of clicking and it starts with practice. Practices have, um, kind of turned up a little bit, turned the, turned the dial a little bit to get ready for those games, uh, on Saturday or Friday nights and obviously have reflected on, on those turnouts, but it it feels good to, uh, do that kind of scoring on other teams. And I kind of mentioned or touched on it a little bit in the story last week. Um, you know, you scored two touchdowns, and you guys kind of came up with some new touchdown celebrations because the coaches told you you couldn't mm-hmm. uh, couldn't touch during the, the celebrations or anything like that. So uh, go over a, go a few of those, how they came about, and how you guys executed them. Yeah, so uh, like Wednesday, Coach Vaughn came up to us and said, so you guys have five minutes to create a celebration where there is no touching – or any contact so we kind of just scrambled to make up a uh i don't know no contact celebration which is pretty hard if you think about it and so i think the first one was the tunnel which was uh which was i think it was my idea and then we did the hand sanitizer on the ball to keep everybody safe and then some high fives in the air yeah Yeah. virtual distant high fives yeah Do do you have new ones coming up for next week or are you just going to keep uh, recycling? Um, we've been working. Yeah, we're, uh, we're working on some. Now, I, I, know, uh, I know this is kind of like back into the Freaky Fast Five, but you bring it up. And you've seen a lot of cool – I mean, it, like obviously the NFL, they just have like the, like the celebration cam this year. But in the last couple of years, they've, they've brought out some of the celebrations. What's one of your favorite that you've seen? Uh, I mean, either from your team, one of your teammates, or just that you've seen in football in general? Uh, like the bowling. 
I like the when they do bowling or like rowing when they get the whole team to do that kind of stuff. Okay. Like think, the whole team celebrations, I, I like. Those. I feel like you could still do. Mm-hmm. I think you could do socially distanced bowling. I think, I you, think you can too. Yeah, I mean, you just technically aren't supposed to like come within six feet. So as long as you can all fall far enough away from each other, you should be okay. Yeah, there you, you go. Which team was it that did the choreographed dancing? Seattle. Yeah. yeah, the Seahawks did it last year. Three or four of them always had like, like the exact synchronized thing. dancing. Yeah. yeah, that was always fun. Now I, I know you guys. Yeah, like, we, we we you talked about how how good it feels kind of putting points on teams. Uh, we haven't got a chance to talk to too many of you guys after you know the week one loss with Central. But how have you guys kind of rebounded uh, from from that loss, and how has your attitude kind of changed since you like you said you've taken time to reflect on what's already happened this season? Central was our first. Like we didn't get any scrimmages, so we kind of came out with bench. I mean, both teams did, but we just we're coming off the summer and not even expecting for a season to happen. But we learned a lot from that game. Uh, coming out of that game, we kind of felt um, like better about ourselves because I don't know, there's just like a feeling where it's like, we're better than this. We, there's no way this team can do this to us. We're more of a brotherhood than this. So the, these past weeks, it's really showed and we have like come together more and built this team up from where it had where it started now what do you think that does for a team kind of hitting what you guys consider to be your lowest of lows like almost on day one what do you think that does for your team that you guys are able to kind of go from a building block like that uh we can't go any lower we've hit that point and all all we can do is go up now I know that this has already been a shortened season. Does it feel weird that you guys are already halfway done with the regular season? Obviously, I mean it has to be only three games. But does it feel like you guys have already been uh, that deep into a season? No, not at all. It feels like I've just been playing for a week. Especially probably because you didn't get too much. You know what was it? Six days of hitting before you actually got to play. So I'm sure this is yeah. kind of felt pretty. You know, pretty accelerated. How have you guys been able to kind of turn yourselves? you know, on quicker than normal? How have you been able to kind of, you know, work uh, towards that winning attitude when you have little to no time to kind of let that sit or wallow or, or even, you know, turn around into one more week? You only got six regular season games. Yeah, especially for our seniors. I just tell them, play, play and practice like it's your last. Like for right now, we never know what's going to happen. So just go go out there and give it your all because you don't know when this, when this season will end or – when they'll shut down things. Yeah, that's got to be a weird feeling as a player too. Do, do you think? Do you do you personally just take it like one game at a time, or do you say like, "Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to getting out of bed and playing football." Uh, no, for sure. One uh, week after week, I am focused on that one week and getting better at that one week because you never know. In the game against Petoskey on Saturday, um, they kind of uh, ran a, a different punt formation that I think uh, I've ever seen before in my life to kind of, I think, combat your guys' special team prowess. And uh, is it kind of a testament to you guys that teams are game planning for your special teams now? Was it the first punt where he kind of kicked it from like five yards? Yeah, where they lined the quarterback up behind center like they were going to go for it, and then he pitched it to the deeper yeah. and he punted. Yeah, I don't know what they were really thinking on that one. Well, you guys have had really good but I don't punt know. blocks over the years, so they're probably just trying to yeah get around on that. Now, you guys you guys got that Petoskey win under your belt. That is the conference uh, game between you guys, but you get to see them one more time. What, what did you guys kind yeah. of take from this weekend? How, what was the conversations like after that game? I mean, you guys obviously came out on top 41-7, to uh, but you have another game against them. How did you guys kind of like work your way out of that? That's not something that happens very often. Kind of just said we have Gaylord this week. Let's focus on Gaylord. Let's not focus on Petoskey right now, even though we do have them, have them in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's just focus on Gaylord and take it to him Friday night. I know we talk about it being your senior year, and I know um, you know being in the backfield, you're getting the ball quite a bit. Christian and other seniors getting the ball quite a bit. Um, a couple of you guys on offense who are seniors have really seemed to do a lot of the the legwork for the uh, Titans this year. Um, how much has the senior class kind of started to relish the moments that you guys have left and kind of really put a show on for uh, your Titan faithful? Well, especially it's kind of amped up these past couple of days because we had senior senior night Saturday. So that was kind of like a big like wake up call where it's like, Hey, this is your last, this is your last season for high school, high school football. Uh, let's make something out of it. Now, even though this is your last season, um, what are, do you have any athletic plans moving forward, Patrick, or, or what are your plans for uh, college next year? 
Uh, I'm not sure about the athletics part. I'm for sure going to college and getting an education, but I really haven't decided yet about athletics. Uh, is that something that you kind of you think you might want to pursue, but just not sure yet? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That sounds like fun. Would it be Would it be football that you would be pursuing it in, or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Have you looked at any schools? Has anybody contacted you? I know it's been I know it's been a lot different with COVID. It hasn't been uh, as easy to get recruited, mm-hmm. get seen, or even talk to coaches because of some weird dead periods. How has that been uh, for you? Kind of in that weird spot where you're trying to figure it out. Or football camps usually are in the spring, so I was going to go to a bunch of colleges, uh, kind of put myself out there this spring, and that COVID thing really shut it down, which was a big upset for those recruit recruits and kids who want to go into college and play ball now i know you know just especially over the last couple of weeks with this with the way that the offense has been working we've, we've talked that you have been a big part of this offense and you know i mean at least i've been covering the Titans for a couple of years i've seen your name out there but it seems like you're more a part now than ever how does that kind of uh worked out in your senior year how do you think you find yourself in this position i've definitely grown as an athlete over the years and kind of followed in what was aiden griggs last year footsteps christian boysman uh, and it was kind of like my turn to step up and run the ball for for the team. Uh, yeah, and Patrick, any, I mean, is there any, uh, any funny stories from the season? Uh, well, there is. So during our COVID, uh, during our COVID little break, we would still hold practices, but they would be like Nerf, Nerf Wars or like <laughs> uh, Capture the Flag kind of stuff, which was so fun. Papa Golf. It's it, so almost like just like team building. Yeah. Like Which we, is really cool. Yeah, that's that's got to be fun. It almost feel like. I, let me ask you this, because I know that this was kind of a different different summer for a lot of people. Did it kind of feel like you got reverted deeper back into your childhood because of the way that the summer was this year? You know, you weren't <laughs> you weren't out at the mall, or you weren't always out having to go to the movies or whatever. It's kind of like you had to make your own fun, like doing capture the flag and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it was definitely different because because of those things were closed, so we had to kind of do stuff on our own and be creative. Yeah, I'm sure I, that so, that sounds like uh, a good time, especially. So, who's the better uh, Nerf War player, <laughs> you or Christian? Oh, it was definitely me. It was De- definitely me. Now I gotta ask: Does anybody have? I know when I was in high school, there was just one of my buddies who had like the entire Nerf arsenal. Is there anybody who on the team who is like the Nerf nerd, or <laughs> have you guys all bought Nerf guns and have just like wars now? I remember uh, Foster Snell, one of our linebackers. I I think he probably had like ten guns that he brought. We all just looked at him like, are you kidding me? These were all at your house. Yeah, I that s- kind of stuff. I swear. Okay. like I, We'll leave it at this, and I'll just tell this. I quick. was a super soaker guy. I, I just remember I, it was oh. the same thing. You said you said that your linebacker brought one. I think I had a Nerf War this one time, and this kid literally brought a 35 or 40-inch <laughs> automatic M60 Nerf gun with a tripod and a laser on it. It shot at like 50 feet. It was automatic. You literally had to like lay on the ground and tripod this boy, and they would bring these to these Nerf Wars. I'm assuming that it's it's about that speed for you guys. Yeah, that sounds that sounds yeah that sounds like fun. Well, you know, uh, Patrick, we really appreciate you taking some time after practice today to uh, stop in at the get around and let us get to know you and the Titans a little bit better this season. Yeah, no problem. It's been fun. Yes, of course. Well, we appreciate you and we wish you the best of luck. Another huge thank you to Pat O'Connor for joining us here at the Get Around for episode 144. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's are freaks about fresh bread, meat, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's, freak yeah. You know, we got to talk about some chatter that matters, gentlemen, and it's a big one. I know we all kind of went at it already a little bit before this, but I think we kind of had that understanding podcast talk we had to talk about this while we were recording today and there's a lot that has gone on the governor's executive orders have basically been deemed unconstitutional in the state of michigan by the supreme court which has put a lot of people in a tizzy and there's a lot way to there's like a long explanation for that but for a purpose no, no, of this it's, podcast it's, that's, it. It, that's just, it that's it it doesn't matter it's made them all null and void so you you obviously know what problems can arise from this People saying everything that's already been happening is shouldn't be happening. We should no one should be wearing masks, or why is there attendance limits, or this or that, the other thing. And you know that everybody is going to throw all of it at the wall right away. And the biggest question is, how does the MHSA react to it? While the state is no longer able to basically enforce or uphold these executive orders, the MHSA has never been controlled by the state. They were never, you know, directed in any way by the state. 
the state more or less gave them the freedom to do what they wanted to do. And it's going to be the same way. But, gentlemen, I have to pose the question, what does this do now, short and long term, compared to what we've been looking at over the last few months as sports have resumed? You know, it's hard to predict anything at this point in time. You know, there's the director of Health and Human Services, Robert Gordon, apparently like copy and pasted what was in the executive orders with regards to mask wearing. So I think that wearing masks and during sports is still going to happen because that's it says it right there. It's, it says you still got to do it. But there's still a lot of questions on whose word matters and who what's right and what's wrong just because the law didn't really let the governor um, issue executive orders or relation into a pandemic doesn't mean that does it mean that her voice matters? Does it mean that the science against th- that backed wearing a mask in sports where wherever they had it, whatever they had, is worth it? I don't know. Um, I think the MHSAA and school districts are going to see that and say, you know, it was they're going to make their own decisions on whether they think that it was valid or not. And maybe that's what the state needed is a multiple, a bicameral. It ain't going to work like that. Well, It just ain't. Once again, I said this earlier today. The MHSAA has one of two ways to go about this, right? Regardless of what the governor says or what the executive orders say, they've already basically binded themselves to this mastering sports thing. Not just for what the governor said, but even for liability issues. I know it's yeah, been a nightmare. That's a, that's a big It's been a nightmare, thing. but the sports are already underway. Everybody's already been doing it. I've talked to people with the MHSAA. I've talked to coaches. There have been isolated incidents of people quitting sports or having, you know, bitter issues. But it's not, like, large-scale. It's not. And I hate to be like this. Everybody that we talk to. for football, it's really not that big of a deal. Exactly. Like, it has not been to the degree that everybody thinks or says that it is. I feel as if the MHSAA. For soccer and volleyball, it really stinks. I know. We've heard from from athletes on this podcast that it stinks. It's terrible to have to do it. But I don't think the MHSAA is going to just pull off this guidance and just open it up to be like, yep, well, they, we're, we're okay now. You don't need masks. Cause the second they say people don't need masks on the court, they're going to say, why do people in the stands need masks? They're not going to be close to each other. They're going to be social distancing. Everybody on the court's a lot closer. It's another slippery slope. What about yeah. attendance limits? I, I, I see the MHSAA and schools kind of sticking with the status quo and, and just because nobody wants to be held liable. Nobody wants to be taken to court when eventually somebody gets COVID, which we saw, you know, the outbreaks in the NFL this week, you know, that forced two games to be postponed. Um, the NFL is now forced, is now threatening to, to strip draft picks from teams who violate the NFL pro, violate protocols for COVID. And, and so I don't think that you're going to see the MHSA or schools back off of this. You know, I mean, they had the opportunity. I was at football game on Saturday, and by then the, you know, the executive orders had already been overturned. If they wanted to, they could have rolled everything back in that. Technically, but, but, at but that same Francis Kingsless game, they could have too. Yeah, yeah, but, and they but, didn't. But TC West didn't. It was still they were still making the announcements that you have to wear a mask. They were you know still checking people's names at the door. They still had the you know hand sanitizer at the at the gate and all that and. You know, I, I just see that being the status quo for the rest of the season in order to be able to do this. No, I, I have to ask because, you know, I, we, we talked about the Unmasked Michigan Youth Sports Facebook page. I'm still on there. I, I still read and see what all the people are doing, you know. And the majority of them now have, since, since you know, it's not mandated by the government, are want to turn towards legal action on the MHSAA or MAHA or something like that, saying that it's discrimination making them have to wear masks. They're saying it's a con- constitu- it goes against the Constitution now. And it's a civil rights infraction. Yeah, and exactly, and that's what that's what they and they're going to try and so see how that applies. But whatever, trust me, there's going to be people who are going to try and do legal legal battles over this type of stuff, just because that's how people there will be go lawyers. about things. Yeah. Playing sports uh, is a voluntary thing. Yeah, and that's you play the thing. By their rules, or you don't. That's about it, and that's the thing is, even no matter how many people want to try to sue them for discrimination or civil rights or Title IX stuff on that end, they those people aren't going to win because, like you said, it's a voluntary it's a voluntary activity. Right, it's not. We're not discriminating against you. You are choosing not to participate under the, you know, by guidelines or the by bylaws that we have chosen. That's about it. That's how it works with anything. You know, if 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 I went to go take a job and I said no, I need five weeks of vacation, and they said we only have two, I don't take the job because they're not. They don't want it. They're not doing what I want them to do. You know what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. not. It doesn't. It doesn't work for me. So if it doesn't work for you, you have a chance to stay out of that. Right. But the difference is, is that if somebody's getting sick with COVID, it's not, oh, it doesn't work for me. It's a lot different on a liability scale 
of you, of somebody who's responsible for putting on these events as a large scale, you know, private organization to put large swaths of people in danger, some form of danger one way or the other than people who sign waivers and kids who are ready to play sports and do all this stuff signed with medical waivers and release forms and liability stuff. It's not even just that it's everybody else that they're going to worry about. There's there's still going to be masks required at at high school sporting events. I mean, no matter what anybody thinks spectators, fans, us, we're going to be wearing masks on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. There's no way that they just go poof gone. No way. Further, there's never been really masks have always been recommended at outdoor sporting events, but people still wear them because it's the right thing to do. But, I mean... You don't have to wear a mask at a golf course, but I've seen people watching a, the Michigan Open wearing masks when they're watching their kid win or something like that. But, but when you bring up the attendance thing, that, I, that to me is what... I, I mean, you texted earlier and you said that you thought the mask mandate would be the first to go. Obviously, it changed a little bit since the new information. Yeah. The first thing that's going to happen is MHSA is going to tell member schools that they're allowed to decide how many people they want as long as they follow the guidelines. You, if you want 1,000 people here... Everybody better be in masks, right? You better still be able to separate these people to a pretty good degree. It's kind of interesting because, like, Thoroughby Field can seat 10,000. You can probably put about 3,000 people in there if you really wanted to. I'm not sure if 3,000 people would actually show up to a Trevor City Central game right now, If the, even if it was allowed to. That's no knock on the fan base. I'm just not sure if people would are okay. That many people are go okay with going out to see a football game right now. There's so many other avenues you can watch a game and like the NFHS network that we were talking about earlier. But I think the one thing that the MHSA will, like you like you just said, will do is say, like, if you got a stadium that can hold 6,000 people, you can make your own plan to figure out how student seating's going to work and how people are, can mm-hmm. spread out. That's logical, right? You can still spread, stay six feet apart, right? Yeah. I was talking to one athletic director at a, you know, at a large, one of our large schools who was saying, you know, the vast majority of our games, we weren't getting 1,000 people anyway. Yeah. Last season. You know, you know, we, we, we didn't draw a thousand people anyway. So for most schools, I mean, Patriot game aside, most schools are not getting over a thousand people at a football game anyway. So because the, the general public is still leery. The one other thing that obviously is, you know, a big a, a big change from this is going to be, you know, the ability for people to hold events indoors. And that's the one thing I've thought about is that, like, does the MHSAA change its guidance on tournaments? I don't know that the MHSA is going to go back on a whole lot just because, just like I said, I mean, everybody's. It's probably harder to go backwards right now. Definitely afraid of getting sued. Yeah. You know, and we've seen how hard the professional leagues have done with daily testing and, and all this and the, and the bubble and stuff. And there's still been some people getting mm-hmm. COVID. And in a high school where there's not daily testing and all this, I mean, you don't want to say this, but it's inevitable that somebody's going to get COVID. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty much inevitable. Some so, team is going to get COVID. Yeah. And, I mean, look and, at the and Titans. Then, and then that school does not want to get sued. No. So they're going to... They're so not going to play so, a football game against So they're going to say, we took all these precautions. We took the, what, the precautions that we thought were necessary and so that they won't get sued. Which is, if you're an athletic director or a superintendent or a principal... You have to worry about that. The smart thing to do. Yeah. You, <laughs> I mean, if you get sued for $5 million... Because some kid gets COVID for I don't know what you know what whatever reason, you know there goes there goes your athletic department. Yeah, right. There goes the iPads for the entire community next year. Yeah. But there goes how many teaching jobs or, you know or whatever. And so, like you said, this is we can leave it here. I don't see the MHSAA going in any backwards direction. Not, not for this really. season. Maybe some small tweaks, Maybe but I don't see anything this, major. This might this might set up. For maybe a little bit more loosened restrictions for, like, the basketball season or for the winter sports season, right? It might set up for a little bit more, but I feel as if the guidelines that have been set in place for the fall season are not going to change much. I mean, they they told us, Cody's been on this podcast, the winter season, it's taken them a while even to start talking about that because they had so much going on with what they've had to do with this fall sports. This might change that guidance, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that'll look. But with what we have in place, I don't see much changing other than possibly them opening up attendance restrictions to be up to a school board or up to a school. Because if there's no other restriction there, that's them kind of telling their, you know, them telling their member schools, you can't make money off your doors. We're going we're gonna to keep you from making money off your doors, basically. Which could be pretty impactful for the football playoffs because now you got schools traveling, their fan bases traveling, their student sections traveling. 
It could be more students are able to go to the games. It could be as simple as that. All right. That is the chatter that matters, ladies and gentlemen. As always, that segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak yeah. We teased this part of the episode kind of hard early, and I, I kind of gave up one of the nominations uh, stat lines, but I had to make a point earlier. I'm going to put him up for the Hall of Fame anyways. So since I ruined it already, I'm just going to ruin it further. We are going to do our nominations and vote. I'm putting up Johannesburg, Lewiston, Sheldon Huff. Like I said, a school record tying 28 tackles. That probably would be almost the majority of schools record. That's a lot of tackles in a game. Also had 126 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns on only 13 carries. So very impressive from Sheldon. Who do you guys got? I've got uh, Emma Mirabelli from Traverse City Christian Volleyball. She had a quad this weekend where they beat Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart, Baldwin, and Farwell. They swept all three of those, so that was only there's only six sets because they played just two sets against each team. She had 41 kills in six sets and got her 1,000th career kill as a junior. I got from Gaylord St. Mary Chris Koshoniak. Last week he went 10 for 14 passing, 262 yards, three passing touchdowns, 25 carries on the ground. Uh, 119 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. So that's what, five total touchdowns? Oh, yeah, there's, wait, there's more. 20 tackles and six tackles for loss on defense. Well, you know, he was playing quite a bit for uh, Gaylord St. Mary. I know we talked about a bunch of guys doing a big I've, scoring things for them. You know, I feel bad for the PA announcer always having to pronounce that name with that many times. And what about, uh, so what, what, uh, what, what are we doing for uh, votes here, gentlemen? It's going to be tough. We got a couple couple big performances here. You said 1,000 kills as a junior for Emma's nothing to scoff at. As a junior. Yeah, That's she's been the leader of that team. We brought her in. What was it as a freshman? I think uh, we had her on this no, podcast we had her last season. Which, okay, last as a sophomore, because sophomore, yeah, they yeah. started what like eight and zero or something last season. Yep. We had her on here. Uh, we know that she's one heck of a player for the Sabers. So let's do it, gentlemen. Who are we voting for? Ah, this is rough, this huh? This is a tough one. This is t- even tougher than normal, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it was kind of a clear cut. No, I've been. Huff's twenty eight tackles is. Yeah. Impressive. A thousand career kills is impressive. Yeah. Shelniak's numbers are five nice. touchdowns, twenty tackles. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> flying all over the place. We got three touchdowns and twenty eight tackles with six tackles for loss from Hel- from Huff. And then we got twenty tackles with six of those from loss for Kashoniak, but he had five touchdowns, three of those were passing. Did like, he play eight man? Yeah, that's eight man. Okay, eight so man. these are eight man the stats. No, no, no <laughs> Sheldon Sheldon Sheldon's eleven man. Oh. Huff's eleven man. But uh Kishoniak's eight man stats. That's tough. That's a, that's a heck of a game, regardless of what kind of football you play. I'll still go with, with Huff because didn't you like said break a school record? Tied tied a school record with twenty eight yeah. total tackles in a game. Which see, you 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 say you feel bad for the PA announcer at Gaylord St. Mary having to pronounce that thing so many times. It's not that I feel bad for him, but I can only imagine how many times you had to say Sheldon Huff in that football game. Yeah, uh, over and, the and PA. Used to saying get Kashelniak and yeah, there, there's a whole Mary. family. There's, there's, that's a long line of yeah, but yeah. Uh, Huff the Buff. I'll take I'll take Huff as my. I mean, I nominated him, so you know I'm gonna vote for him. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Huff too. We making it unanimous, or you gonna split it? I'll, I'll just I'll just vote for Emma Mirabelli. Just, okay. You know, just a thousand's pretty good. And as a junior, if Huff's <laughs> got two votes, he's still gonna win. So. Yeah, he he basically already won. But I'll vote for Emma. You take you taking your nomination. Well, congratulations to Johannesburg Lewis and Sheldon Huff on your fantastic performance and the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. And keep an eye out later this week for some other Johannesburg Lewiston football news that's going to be coming out later this week. All right, we got one more segment real quick, and we are going to give you a quick fantasy update on our on our leagues and how we are doing. Just going to give us a good run through the standings. As I said, it's kind of tough doing this on Mondays because all the games aren't over, especially we had a couple games that were you know postponed and late this week. My games are over. Yeah, but <laughs> so I'm just going to read these out. You know who you are if you're in the team. I'm not going to put everybody's names in here and toss them out here, but so far. We have in the Record Eagle Football League one, which is our 12-man league. We have Lunches Hunches in first at three and zero. Then the SCLSU Mud Dogs in second at two and one. Who I'm going to beat this week? <laughs> we got the Clutch Kickers at two and one at three. Whoever's the Michigan Wolverines in here, <laughs> but two and one at number four. Gardnering out at number five at two and one. Brett Peterson is at two and one at number six. Number seven is the James Gang. He should be moving up into a three and one category, but he's two and one right now. Number eight is more kilometers, which is Andrew. <laughs> Number nine is Gronky Kong. Number ten is the Winterfell Direwolves. 
Number 11 is the Urban Cowboys. And down there in dead last is your boy, Jake Adams All-Stars, <laughs> with just an abysmal points four record. I am about f- uh, 50 or 60 points less than the next p- closest person with points four. So, yeah, it's been a rough season in that one. They're my goon squad. I don't know if I've told I – think, I think I said this on our Fantasy Football Live thing. I usually have a goon squad. It just takes like two or three weeks for me to figure out who that is and who I can kind of mess with. Mm-hmm. That's my goon squad. <laughs> We're 0-3. We have no chance. You go into Record Eagle Football League 2, and guess who's all the way at the top of the leaderboard? NF's Army. NF's Army. With a lower points 4 than I. That's okay. I, I'm leading a league yeah, in points, points 4. Yeah, but you've lost. Yeah, it's, but it's, I'm also it's, leading the league in points against 2. Yeah, it's miserable for Andrew in this one. It's definitely been rough. But uh, Gen Z, so we got a young Gen Z. They're in first place, actually. Uh at 3-0 and in this league, I'm 2-1, and about to be 3-1, and because I absolutely went off in this league this week. I had Tom Brady and Delvin Cook and everybody. Gen Z is Jack Stefanski. Oh, it is? Okay. <laughs> there you go, Jack. Well, uh, I'm not sure what his, his look, matchup looked like this week. But then number four, we got the Spiffle-hitting Vorbs. Number five is on Team Bring It. Number six is More Kilometers, which is Andrew once again. Number seven is the G-Berg Skins. Number eight is Livin' La Vida Taco, which is Micah Gallegos. I know that one. Number eight, oh, that's not, or number nine is the Go Norseman, and number ten is Tony Moeller. Who I lost to this week. You lost to him. I lost to him. Is it because you played he's, Troutman? He's going to win. I, I ended up not playing Troutman. I picked up Troutman when uh, I thought Kelsey wasn't going to be able to play. I wish I had picked up somebody besides and Jared then, Cook, but. And then, ooh, yeah, that's a bad call. No, well, no, I mean, he was just my tight end, and I had so many other COVID outs that it was like, do I drop Jared Cook completely, or do I just play no one? So I just played him with zero points and hoped to win. So. That's going to do it for episode 144 of the Get Around Podcast. Make sure you stick it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at TCRE Sports, at Jake Adniff, at James Cook 14 at by Andrew R. Make sure you follow us for all of the local sports updates on a day-to-day basis. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.